Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Tonight, we gather together full of expectation and excitement. We fill this space not only with our presence, our joyous presence, but also our collective hopes and dreams. Tonight, this sanctuary, adorned by festive lights and decorations, becomes a waiting room. For we are huddled together, watching the clock, anxiously anticipating the news of a baby being born. Some of us are here for the first time. And again, to you I say, welcome. Others have been here before, but it's been a while. And of course, there are those among us who call this place home. Whatever our story is, here we all are, gathered around the same birth announcement. I mean, it's the same baby being delivered. The details of this birth remain the same, and yet here we are waiting. Do we ever ponder why we keep reliving the same event every Christmas? What exactly are we waiting for? I'd imagine if I asked the children here tonight what they're waiting for, the chances are they would all speak excitedly of Santa Claus. Stockings filled to the brim and waking up in the morning to brightly wrapped gifts left under the tree. For we adults, it could be that some of us are waiting to celebrate our first Christmas as a couple or to enjoy our first Christmas in our new apartment or home. More than a few of us might be waiting for a loved one to come home for Christmas from the airport, from the hospital, or maybe just from the end of their shift at work. Or perhaps we're here tonight looking forward in the morning to waking up or going to a house in which all the beds are occupied. All the seats around the table are filled with family and friends. We're all waiting for something this Christmas. The question is, are we aware that someone is waiting for us? After all, that's the announcement of the angels to the shepherds and by extension to us that we heard at the start of this service. That's the message we just shared through those beloved carols we sang only moments ago. Unto us a child is born. Not just unto some shepherds watching their flocks and fields by night, but unto us. It's not joy to them. It's joy to the world. Someone is waiting for us. And yet, unlike the shepherds, we're not surprised by this news. Many of us have been preparing for this announcement, as I said, eagerly anticipating it. That's why we've come into this space, entered into this time because of this news, because of this birth announcement. We hear the declaration of the angels, and we are not afraid. We are hopeful. But then again, perhaps some of us here tonight receiving all of this, not so much you're receiving all this, not so much as good news, but rather as a good Christmas story. A good Christmas story right up there with Miracle on 34th Street or the Polar Express. I mean, we don't honestly believe that angels exist. And the very notion of a virgin birth of the Savior of the world that sounds like something more out of a Marvel movie than real life. 
I mean, sure, we like the idea behind the story. Yeah, we like the idea behind the story, but, but we don't consider it relevant news for our daily lives. I mean, we're here for the nostalgia. We're here for the warm fuzzies, that happily ever after that Christmas stories deliver. It's the spirit of Christmas, that glow, that feeling that we're all about. It's about getting in touch with our inner child again, not encountering an actual baby. And of course, there are those who might be here reluctantly, maybe even against their will. We came along to make the parentals happy. We suited up to avoid a family quarrel later. But all this, whether you call it good news or a good story, all this just has us rolling our eyes and shaking our heads in disbelief. We approach all this with great skepticism and maybe even a little bit of baggage. <laughs> yeah, pastor, we've heard it all before. We've heard it all before, we might be thinking, the sales pitch, where God is described like some kind of cosmic Santa Claus, where under the watchful eye of this moral lawgiver, this God who always knows if we're sleeping or if we're awake, who always knows if we've been bad or good, under the watchful eye of this moral lawgiver, a list is being kept on all of us. We've heard it. And it's being checked twice. And we've heard that the cold, hard fact is we've all been naughty rather than nice. What we all deserve is a big lump of coal. But lo and behold, we've heard the pitch. Lo and behold, Jesus comes and has a wonderful plan for our lives. There's a ticket to heaven in that there manger. If we just say we believe. If we just pray the prayer in his name, the free gift of salvation, mm, complete with a clean slate. How about that? Forgiveness, total forgiveness with no strings attached. It all sounded so great the first time we heard it. Too good to be true. And for many of us, I'm sad to say, that's exactly what it became, isn't it? Too good to be true. For the minute we joined the church, what was presented as a free gift started sounding like a contract filled with all kinds of added clauses and conditions. Do you have the right interpretation of the Bible? Do you have the right doctrine? Are you keeping company with the right sort of people? Are you living the right way? Are you affiliated are you voting with the right political party? And as the list of qualifiers goes on, we begin to suddenly see the devil in the details of the plan of salvation. Suddenly, what was presented as good news starts to feel like a bait and switch. All this, this purported good news, seems to be more about fear and retribution than about grace and freedom. If that's been your experience, if this has been the version of the Christmas story that you've heard, please allow me to apologize on behalf of the church. Forgive us for misrepresenting the truth of what Christmas is really all about through the hypocrisy of how we've acted. Forgive us 
for preaching love and forgiveness, even as we've practiced sitting in judgment and condemnation over others. Forgive us for claiming that everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God, even as we've made no room in the church for the stranger, the foreigner, or those most in need. Forgive us for telling you it was all about Jesus, even as we added compliance to all sorts of other things along with following Christ. Forgive us for insisting, sometimes annoyingly so, that Jesus is the reason for the season, even as we've never offered you a proper introduction to Christ through how we speak, through how we act, through how we treat others. Forgive us for turning believing in Jesus into possessing a good luck charm or a golden ticket rather than embracing him as God come down in the flesh, in person, not showing up like some genie to get us out of a jam whenever we get into trouble, but as our creator who seeks to teach and empower us to experience full, abundant, and everlasting life to become all that we were created to be. Forgive us for portraying heaven as the ultimate getaway destination. For presenting heaven as a justification, an excuse not to care about today, not to care about this planet. Forgive us for portraying heaven as the ultimate getaway destination rather than as a state of being today and not just tomorrow. An alternative way of living and being a part of the renewal of all creation in the here and now. Forgive us for turning God's gift at Christmas into another obligation you have to meet, into another expectation you have to live up to, into another performance you have to manage. How's that for a true confession? Because all that was wrong. All that is not what today, what the good news of Christmas is about. For the good news that we heard tonight, of which Christmas is but the first chapter, is not about what we can do for God, but what God comes down to do for us. This is the good news. These are the great tidings of comfort and joy that unto us again a child is born That the God who has desired us from the beginning of time delivers himself into the arms of our humanity. No middleman, no messengers. There's only our creator, naked and in the flesh, gift-wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And the God who comes down in the birth of Jesus doesn't come down a chimney for a moment in the night and then magically disappear. The God who comes down through the birth of Jesus Christ empties himself of all glory. He gets down and dirty, embracing the vulnerability and fractured nature of our lives, of this world, takes hold of our humanity to give us not what we think we want, but what he knows we desperately need. And that's the rub. It's the only qualifier. Let's keep it straight. That's the rub. That's the only qualifier. Let's be upfront about it. We have to believe We have to know we need this gift, the gift of Christmas. We have to believe, we have to know we need the gift of Christmas in order for this gift to do us any good. 
Because after all, there are lots of gifts given at Christmas time. But many gifts remain unopened, unappreciated, sitting on a shelf, soon forgotten, right? Eventually lost, buried under a bunch of other stuff. And the gift of Christmas can easily become that kind of gift if all we ever do is bring it out and admire it once a year and then put it back in the garage until December rolls around again. And one of the reasons we tend to do this, you know, is because for us, Christmas time is more associated, more often associated with getting the gifts we want, the gifts we ask for, what's on our list. But in truth, Christmas is again actually about receiving the gift we need. And let's be honest, it can be hard to appreciate a gift we need when we are so conditioned on trying to get what we want out of life. From childhood, think about it, from childhood, we're raised to think we want the gift of independence. We're taught to work hard, to want and work hard for the gift of personal autonomy. We're considered grown up. We've made it. We're grown up and we're successful when we achieve self-sufficiency, when we move out on our own, when we can live without having to rely on anyone, when we become our own boss, when we call our own shots. However, as we soon learn, as we inevitably discover, the gift of independence, of personal autonomy, isn't all it's cracked up to be. Striving to be self-made persons when it's every man or woman for themselves, when we each make our own truth, as we assert ourselves to be our own authority, as we keep playing by our own rules, inequity, rivalry, and conflict result, and life doesn't go well for any of us. The gamut of human history, the gamut of human history, let alone the last 10 years, is all the evidence we require that each of us, in our own way, playing God, carries a terrible burden and extracts a costly price. As we try to claim and secure our identity, who we are and our purpose, what we're about, as we try to secure and claim our identity and purpose through what we create, through what we earn, through what we accomplish, we soon find ourselves caught in an endless pursuit of doing enough of having enough, of being enough. But we're never able to quite close that loop, are we? Much of the hurt and suffering we experience in this life is due to what we inflict on each other, what we inflict upon ourselves as we desperately try to justify our existence, as we try to prove our worth, as we cannot help but compare, contrast, and compete with each other in trying to be somebody, in making a name for ourselves. But the sad irony of it, the sad irony is that none of it, none of our productivity, none of our achievements, none of the stuff we accumulate over the course of a lifetime can bear the weight of eternity. For all that power we struggle to accumulate, All that control we insist we have, that brass ring, man, that brass ring we work so hard and climb so far to take hold of, it's all immediately surrendered, no matter who we think we are, with our last breath as we expire. 
For when we die, our possessions simply change hands. And all those accolades and accomplishments that we built our life upon are eventually, give it time, forgotten. This is the vicious cycle of human existence from which we need salvation. This is the brokenness of our lives from which we need to be healed. This is our shared fatal flaw which we cannot overcome on our own. But the good news, the gift of Christmas, is the God who comes down to remedy all of this by giving us exactly what we need. And let's be clear, the God who comes down to us isn't like Santa Claus, divvying out blessings and curses depending on whether we've been naughty or nice. No, God comes down in Jesus Christ precisely because we are victims of the human condition and not because we manage a favorable bottom line on some moral profit and loss statement. The God who comes down to us in Jesus Christ isn't like Santa Claus keeping score because the God who comes down to us in Jesus Christ is too busy setting things right, bringing good out of evil, forgiveness out of failure, hope out of perseverance, forever working to turn all our mourning into dancing, all the world's sadness into joy, and in the end, to raise life out of death. There are no lists being kept. There are no ledgers being tallied by this God. Because Christmas, again, is not about earning our way into salvation or buying our way out of trouble. Christmas is a gift. A gift. A gift not given out of divine obligation, but pure grace. Christmas is a gift. Divinely given not to be reciprocated by us out of guilt and shame, but instead, instead to be responded to by passing it along, by reflecting and depositing into the lives of others the divine mercy, peace, hope, and joy we receive, and to deposit it into the lives of others around us, not once a year, but every day of our lives. But again, to share this gift, the gift of Christmas, we must first receive it, unwrap it in our own lives. Because it's only when we unwrap the gift of Christmas, it's only when we come to know indeed what child is this, it's only as we come to encounter the person and character of Christ that we discover what wondrous love it truly is. Love that is unconditional. Love that is thoroughly inclusive. Love that is willing to die in order that we might live Love that in its sacrifice proves stronger than death, and thus love that is everlasting, able to deliver on its promise of eternal life. It's only as we unwrap the gift of Christmas, only as we follow Jesus, learn from him, and rely on his power at work in and through us, that grace... Grace becomes something more than a nice-sounding church byword. That grace becomes a way of life. Grace becomes a mindset, an orientation of the heart, our default posture for living in this world. Can you picture it? Grace, where we count and share God's blessings, rather than denying and hoarding them, rather than operating according to the survival of the fittest. Grace, can you picture it, where we embrace each other's as works in progress, 
but still the children of God that we all are, instead of holding each other captive to our individual desires and expectations. Grace, can you picture it? Where we choose to seek reconciliation, where we choose to extend forgiveness rather than to hold on to a grudge, rather than to look to retaliate. Grace, can you picture it? Where we treat and give to each other generously, not based on what we think is deserved, but instead out of a spirit of compassion and awareness of another person's need. My friends, the good news of Christmas is that we are all in this together. And the gift of Christmas is that we share the certain promise, the living hope, that we together are never alone. Ever. For no matter where we are in life, no matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what condition we find ourselves, no matter how far from home we might stray, no matter how unfaithful, disobedient we might have been, God pursues us. God refuses to let us go. God in Christ comes down to be with and for us. Nobody owns Christmas. Nobody owns Christmas. Not Santa Claus, not one nation, not even the people of faith. Because we don't make Christmas happen. Christmas happens to us. In the darkness, as we go about our business, as we keep watch over our flocks by night, our hopes and dreams, there comes a great light, the glory of the Lord. And that baby in the manger is that light, the light not of the church, but the light of the world. The light of the world, even when the world around us looks like it's in shambles, because that baby in the manger proves to be the light of the world that the darkness cannot and will not ever overcome. The first heartbeat that is heard in all that straw and hay is the beginning of a countdown that cannot be stopped. A countdown, again, for the redemption of all creation and the resurrection of all life. The initial borning cry of an infant will eventually give way to the last words of a dying man upon a cross when he shouts, It is finished! and initiates the rebirth of our humanity. For this one born in humility, who worked in obscurity, who died an enemy of the state, will rise from the ashes of presumed defeat, and in conquering our last great dreadful equalizer, death, this one named Jesus makes a down payment on a glory for us that's yet to come. Because that voice heard from the cross will one day be heard from a throne declaring, I make all things, all things new. A renewed creation, a restored humanity, heaven on earth. The good news of Christmas is we don't have to wait to go to heaven. Heaven comes down to us as near as the breath of a baby in a manger. Heaven comes down to us to lift us up to heights of possibility and promise that are more than we could ever imagine or hope for. Because tonight, we celebrate both the Christmas that has come and the Christmas that is still coming. Tonight, we celebrate Christmas has come. God has come down in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has come down to demonstrate just how much he, God, is for us, just how far he will go to be with us. And that's why we keep coming back to this waiting room to celebrate what God has done, but we come back every year to celebrate the Christmas that's still coming. 
How in celebration through the gift of Christmas, the presence of Jesus now through the Holy Spirit continues to be born anew as Christ works both in and through us, growing us, cultivating all creation into the fullness of its restoration and renewal that was initiated once upon a midnight clear. What we look forward to, what we continue to need to see on the horizon is not the darkness, but the dawn of a new day, the rise of an eternal tomorrow. So my friends, on this Christmas Eve, as we find ourselves having the vantage point of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future before us, may we, like Ebenezer Scrooge, have our hearts and minds, our lives radically transformed by the coming of a child born in Bethlehem. God, who in Christ comes for us. And may it be said of us, as it was of old Scrooge, that we know how to keep Christmas well if any person alive bared the knowledge. And with that, I wish you all a very blessed and Merry Christmas. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.